Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, and welcome to Voices from the Battlefield, part of Waterloo Remembered. In this reading, the historian Andrew Fields presents the memoirs of Jacques-Francois Martin, who participated in the Great Column attack on the Allied lines early in the afternoon of the 18th of June. I would like to remember Jacques-Francois Martin, who was a lieutenant in the French army at Waterloo. He was born in Geneva and was therefore actually Swiss. He attended the École Militaire, sort of French Sandhurst, but was commissioned before he completed his training because of the great need for young officers in the French army in 1813. He had fought through that campaign in the 154th Line Regiment and had been present at Weissig, just prior to Bautzen, where his regiment lost heavily, Leuvenberg and Goldberg, before taking part in the disaster that was the Battle of Katzbach. Over these four battles, his regiment had 48 officers killed or wounded. I have chosen him for three reasons. Firstly, because he was a relatively young man at the battle, being just 21, and this makes his account somewhat more poignant for me. Secondly, because he wrote his account soon after the battle. What I'm going to read comes from a letter he wrote to his mother on the 1st of August, six weeks or so after the battle, when it must have still been fresh in his mind. And thirdly, because he served in the 45th Line Regiment, which took part in Durlong's great attack and gives us a vivid impression of the advance and defeat of Durlong's massive columns. He writes, Then the artillery barrage began, and it was terrible from the very start, for once we came into view from behind the heights, the distance between the two armies became extremely short. We were in column at the moment the order arrived to climb the position and to seize, with the bayonet, the English batteries and anything else that offered resistance. The ridge line bristled with their cannon and was covered with their troops. It appeared impregnable. No matter, the order had arrived, the charge was beaten, the shout of Vive l'Empereur came from every mouth, and we marched ahead in close ranks, aligned as if on a parade. I can attest to the fact that at this critical moment I did not see a single cowardly thought painted on the faces of our soldiers. The same ardour, the same gaiety shone there as before. 
However, the shot had already killed many, and this promised that the carnage would be terrible when we arrived on their guns. Death crept upon us from every side. Entire ranks disappeared under the case shot, but nothing could stop our march. It continued with the same order as before, with the same precision. The dead were immediately replaced by those who followed. The ranks, although becoming thinner, remained in good order. Finally, we arrived on the height. Now we could reap the reward of such bravery. Already the English began to give way. Already their guns retired at the gallop. A hollow road, lined with hedges, was the only obstacle which still separated us from them. Our soldiers did not wait for the order to cross it. They rushed over it, jumped over the hedges, and broke ranks to run on against the enemy. Fatal carelessness. We were forced to get them back into order. We held them back in order to rally them. At the moment that I succeeded in pushing one of them back into the rank, ranks, I saw him fall at my feet from a sabre blow. I turned round quickly. The English cavalry had charged us from every direction and we were cut to pieces. I only had time to force myself into the crowd to avoid the same fate. The noise, the smoke, the confusion, inevitable at such moments, had prevented us from noticing that, on our right, several squadrons of English dragoons had approached a sort of hollow, had deployed, formed in our rear and charged us from behind. It is extremely difficult for even the best possible cavalry to break infantry formed in square who defend themselves with courage and discipline. But when infantry is in disorder, it is nothing more than a massacre, almost without danger to the cavalrymen, however brave the troops that are attacked. And so it was here, a general massacre. The cavalry penetrated into the middle of us. Our batteries, seeing that we were lost and fearing that we would be taken in their they would be taken in their turn, fired into the melee and killed many of us. For ourselves, in the constant flood of a confused and agitated crowd, our musket shots aimed at our enemies were as likely to hit our own men. Even courage was of little use. After prodigies of valour, our eagle, taken and retaken, finally remained in the hands of the enemy. In vain did our soldiers, who were still on their feet, stretch their weapons to reach and stab with their bayonets the mounted cavalrymen on their lively and high horses. Useless courage. Their hands and their muskets fell to the ground together and left them defenceless to a fierce enemy who sabred without pity even the children who served as drummers and fifers in the regiment, who vainly pleaded for mercy. It is there that I saw death at close quarters. My best friends fell at my side. I realised the same fate awaited me, but I had no distinct thoughts. I fought like a machine and awaited the fatal blow. I do not know how fate, or rather perhaps providence, ensured the blows fell to each side of me, which were perhaps destined for me, and up to this moment I did not suffer a severe wound. I was knocked over by a dragoon who passed close by me at speed. I remained on the ground amongst several dead, others who were wounded, and still others that were in the same position as me, that is to say, knocked over by a horse. Those who were leading the prisoners only forced away those who were still on their feet, without bothering themselves with searching amongst the dead for those who were still alive. Thus they left me on the battlefield, where it seemed I would have to remain until the battle was decided, for, at that moment, I was only able to either surrender as a prisoner, or to try and save myself by moving towards our batteries. Yet the latter was the path that I took, 
Love of freedom, almost as great as the love of life, made me determined, and I succeeded after having escaped the dangers to which many others had succumbed. Indeed, I did not know if others apart from me had been saved in the same manner. One thing I did know was that I was not in a state to take charge. Drunk with fatigue, of grief, unable to breathe, I wanted to run, but found myself in one of those dreams where, wanting to flee from danger, you move your legs without being able to advance a single step. I thus marched with luck in the middle of the cavalry which had come up from all sides of our guns. I looked around me and could see only enemies, and without hope I marched on. This inconceivable apathy was what saved me, whilst it should have lost me a thousand times. Indeed, if I escaped the fire of our, our artillery, which fired on me as on them, since we climbed together, how could I hope to escape them? Three or four times I saw those who were very close to us make a move to turn bridle to ride over me. I don't know what stopped them, whether they disregarded such a weak enemy, or, which is more probable, if the balls and canister which flew around us drew their attention onto something more important. Whatever it was, we arrived together at our batteries, and while they skirmished with sabre blows against the gunners, I passed through them and reached the foot of a dip some three or four hundred paces in the rear. Arriving there, I threw myself to the ground to regain my breath. Whilst the danger had been pressing, my strength had been supernatural, but once I was safe, it abandoned me and I could not move. Having finally found the remains of his regiment, Martin returned to the fight, but was later swept up by the rout of the French army. He concludes his letter with the following. Who could now explain the precipitous flight which followed so closely such heroic courage? Not me. I am still to understand it. I know that retreat had become inevitable, but what prevented it being conducted in order? Was it treason? Was it terror-struck panic as some have wanted it heard? I do not know. Night covered us with its shadows. The cannon could no longer be heard. A sad silence had succeeded the tumultuous horrors of the day, each search for a disturbed rest interrupted painfully by the wailing of the wounded. Suddenly a dull sound spreads through the ranks. Move, move! We look, and indeed in the darkness we see our men reach the Charleroi road. We fear being abandoned. We no longer hear our leaders. We rush on to the road where the greatest disorder already reigns. Artillery, cavalry, infantry, all march mixed together and from this moment it becomes impossible to rally the army and thus we marched throughout the night the soldier only obeys and fights that was the historian andrew field reading from the memoirs of jacques francois martin a french officer in durland's corps and andrew's works waterloo the french perspective are available to order online now Stay tuned to The Napoleon Assist, where more instalments of the Voices from the Battlefield series will be released throughout the day.